And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome into Onto Waveland, the Athletic Chicago Cubs podcast. I'm Sahadev Sharma with my partner Patrick Mooney here talking some Cubs. Uh, the Cubs have actually been playing some good baseball lately. It's a you know they they've been playing exciting games. I think Cubs fans have actually uh, I, I've noticed on Cubs Twitter that some of the angriest and bitterest Cubs fans are are like, wait a second, do I actually like this team? Which I I think is uh is, I've gotten a chuckle out of. Uh, and and the reality is that like they, it's been fun to cover the team this past weekend. The 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 games were entertaining. Uh, there were multiple games that I left that I was like, that was a good game. I I haven't written about the games specifically because I don't think the games matter yet. Uh, and and you know unless they snap off 15, 16 wins in a row. I don't think uh, we should be focused on singular games. But what's happening in those games and the way that they're winning and certain things that are happening. I think do matter. And I, I think, you know, it's a, it, I thought Patrick, you wrote a really interesting piece this weekend or uh, I'm losing track of the days. Yes. It was uh, this weekend about, uh, yeah. Uh, that Wilson Contreras, you know, who's who hit the cover off the ball this weekend. And, and uh, basically since the trade deadline, he's looked very good once again, uh, that he wants to be here for this this uh, you know next phase of hopeful winning that the Cubs have and you know I've talked to a few guys that say the same and the one thing that I feel like has come across I don't know if we're we're just seeing one side of things when we're in the clubhouse it is a good clubhouse I, I don't see people I haven't seen these guys even in the toughest moment kind of snap at each other or at us and a lot of these guys seem to be happy here. There's there's good vibes, whether they're role players or the key players like Wilson. Uh, I feel like it, it is, uh, and I wrote this, you know, vibes aren't enough to win. Uh, you, you need production, but the vibes are good in that clubhouse. And if they can add some pieces and, and keep a guy like Wilson, who apparently loves it here and wants to stay, that, that makes it all the more interesting going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys who are still just kind of happy to be here or are so focused on trying to, like, survive that day and make a name for themselves that it's kind of hard to have, you know, some of what we saw last year, Sahadev, that weighed on the Cubs so much, like this talk of, like, legacy and contracts and the last dance and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we all know that Wilson is a pretty honest 
guy and his answers came to a couple of questions I asked to him actually in Baltimore at the end of that road trip. He had what looked like a big bag of ice on his left ankle and uh, there's that image from the Field of Dreams games where the Fox broadcast team thought he was out of the game, that he twisted his ankle so bad and collapsed and is limping around and he stayed in the game and his thinking uh, the next day, the off day in Cincinnati was, well, if I can walk, I can play. And I think that's an element that if the Cubs do lose Wilson Contreras, will be hard to replace. And you know, he's not a perfect player. No one is. Uh, but I do think there's a, a drive and intensity that is valuable that he brings to the table. And he's, you know, I think not having some of those other established personalities and players on the team, I think that has freed Wilson up in a way to where he enjoys it. And, you know, basically his response was, you know, I'm not going to shut it down uh, because I like what's going on here. And that's kind of interesting when the Cubs are, you know, whatever, between 15 to 20 games under 500 for months here. But, you know, he likes some of these younger players pitchers and the way they prepare and uh, he's found a a good vibe with you know the coaching staff Uh, I think the DH even if he doesn't didn't maybe love it going into the season and you know Jan Gomes uh, being you know a big presence behind the plate I think he more or less gets why the Cubs are doing it and clearly young players like Christopher Morel like he loves um being able to mentor those guys and help guide them uh, along the way here. And so we don't really know what's going to happen, but if Wilson's worried about the qualifying offer or concerned about his future, he's done an exceptional job of hiding it. Um, You know, he really, you see him there uh, with the marquee on field interview, just, you know, waving Morell over and enjoying the post game uh, Gatorade cooler dumped on him. I think, you know, Maybe that doesn't tell the entire story, but it's not nothing either. Right. And I, I don't think uh, I don't think most players maybe that's unfair, but it says something about Wilson that he's willing to play when he's banged up like that. Uh, like that's that impresses me. I, I almost forgot about it because it, he it almost you know, he played immediately and he just went right through it and he's performed. And I did notice the, what the next day when he, or the Friday, whatever day it was the Saturday that he hit a home run. Yeah. There, I did notice there was an awkward run around the bases, but I thought maybe it was just, you know, Wilson enjoying the moment or something, but yeah, it, I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that the ankles bothering him and he's still playing, but uh, obviously, it's not bothering him enough that you know he needs to sit, and he's he's caught quite a few games as well. So uh, clearly, the training staff feels he's good enough to be out there, and the performance hasn't dropped. I think that if anything, you know, you would think you'd want to protect your free agency, and I would understand that as well. But if anything, this has to give a little bit more, right, to to prospective uh, teams that are interested. Uh, he's still catching. We can talk. We, you know, you could you could debate whether what his deficiencies are behind the plate, and whether the Cubs want to move in a different direction when it comes to uh, the catching position. I don't think you can really debate uh, other things like uh, 
how much it, you know it like that joy that he brings and that effort that he brings matters uh how impactful his bat has turned into uh it, it's it's hard to find that type of bat whether he's playing catcher or not right i mean because essentially Franmil Reyes at his best is what Wilson Contreras is right now right and Wilson can play some uh some some catcher and he's a dh and he'll play first base as well if i know he hasn't but he could he certainly could do that if they're willing to put uh, patrick wisdom there wilson could certainly handle first base so it it's a it's interesting how you debate the value of a player like wilson when uh there's a lot of focus at times uh, or there was at the deadline on what he couldn't do behind the plate uh but clearly he's a valuable player and uh, I think you wrote something like this, but what team wouldn't want that impact in their lineup right now? Uh, a team going down the stretch, what he's done, uh, it, I think it's like a nine-something OPS since the trade deadline. It, teams are going to want that, right? Teams should want that. So I'm, I'm curious how it all plays out with the qualifying offer. If he just ends up taking it because he does, he wants to, he'll bet on himself again, uh, perhaps. Uh, that I could see that playing out. I could see uh, various scenarios playing out there. Uh, I'm just curious what the Cubs want his role to be going forward and what he wants his role to be going forward and if they can uh, compromise there. And I think that's probably the big uh, the big thing going forward, right, as far as when it comes to the Cubs-Wilson Contreras relationship. What do they each view as his future and how he can help the team? Because there's no doubt there, there's something there that where he's – He's a hugely positive presence and, and could help this team. And and the way they look right now, I think it's exactly what you needed to see for all the people that were saying, well, what free agent would want to sign with the Cubs, right? Uh, I, I think they need to do this. As much as uh, people talk about draft picks and things like that, you can't just go into – it's really hard. I know, I know you can just throw money around and, and get players to – uh, but the best of the best, sometimes if you know if it's a few million extra, they they may just go to the established winner, right? It, it, that's a, it's an easier choice for them. A lot of times, it's a more comfortable option. Uh, not saying that it's not a comfortable place to play in Chicago. People love playing with the Cubs from everything we've heard. Uh, I think one thing that that has happened over the past couple of weeks that has my interest peaked is. Uh, Nick Madrigal's play and it's not that he's just like destroying the ball I think there's been one extra base hit maybe two maybe two extra base hits but I mean this is kind of the player that he was right and Brett and I talked about this one of the uh, days you were off but I feel like and I didn't really hammer home this point but I think it's a big deal my concern coming into the season even if they played well I thought Nico and Nick Madrigal were too similar I thought offensively, I thought it's really hard to have two players like that in your lineup. Uh, and and especially with what the Cubs had coming into the season, they like we just didn't know where the power was coming from, really. And, it, you know, I Nico's become a slightly different player where he's kind of turning into a uh, near best case scenario for what, what he could be. I mean, he's I think he's closing in on 10 home runs uh, and you know he'll probably get to double digits maybe close uh he's he's got more pop in his bat than i expected and he finds gaps he's he's just a really smart 
player all around, but at the plate, that's how I describe him. He's a very smart hitter. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's starting to take a few more walks that uh, I know early in the season I was looking at that number creep down and down and down. I was like, ooh, that's a little much. He's relying way too much on his batting average, but he's just – He's a he's a good he's and he's still growing. So I think there's there's even a little bit more power there to the point where I wonder okay, if Madrigal's just going to be this single hitter that occasionally finds a gap, uh can that work if he hits 310, 315? It's not ideal, but I, and I think there's more in there. I think the big thing that we're seeing now is and Madrigal admitted this, he he just wasn't com- comfortable and confident in his health. Like his that was a major injury, and I think I I got I dismissed it too quickly, which is so easy to do in the moment because he looked bad. He looked terrible. Like it was a really bad offense, and that's all he's really going to bring is that batting average. And if he wasn't doing that, then it was like, oh man, this guy this is not looking right. Uh, ultimately, I think whatever happens these next whatever we got a month of the season left, a month and a half of the season left. Uh, I don't think it should dictate what the Cubs do in the offseason. I don't think it should guarantee anything for Nick Madrigal going forward. But I think it really, if he continues to just play like this and maybe even adds, you know, starts to look better and starts barreling up more balls, it gives them a ton of options. It makes them, it makes Jed and, and Carter Hawkins and all these guys feel like, well, we, we can do a lot of different things with our team. Because you have Seiya starting to turn it down after a downspin. You have Franmil Reyes. Uh, they're, they're moving Patrick Wisdom around. Morell's, uh, you know, up and down. But I think that's important to see that. Uh, just him bounce back from rough stretches. We're, we're seeing a lot of players kind of show what they can do and in different ways that I think it's, uh, it, it, it gives them some different ways to approach the offseason. And I, I think that's huge. Yeah, I do think there's a bit of a credibility boost that if they can continue this through the rest of the season, like you're saying, the Cubs have always felt years and dollars are what drive, you know, 90-something percent of all free agent deals. But, you know, it reflects well on David Ross and his coaching staff that the team hasn't totally gone in the tank and that there has been, um, you know, kind of a minimum of public finger pointing and bickering that the circus hasn't really come to town yet. And I mean, you needed to see uh, Marcus Stroman kind of get healthy on a roll and be the pitcher he's been Uh, to me. Nico Horner has totally separated himself from uh, Madrigal as a player you can and should build around. Ross talks a lot about consistency. What can you bring to the table every day? And I think Nico brings a lot. I think Madrigal brings less um, but as a guy who can hit 300 and is, you know, on a still going to be on a, you know, low salary, uh, certainly a guy you'd, uh, want to have around and want to see what he could do, uh, as a former number four overall pick as a guy who whatever hit 300 something, you know, with the white Sox, like, sure. Like, let's see what you can get. I, I just don't think you can bank on that going into next season, no matter what's happened, that there's been too many injuries and that there's just not enough dimensions to his game uh, to this point. But, like, we all know 
there's there's going to be a ton of injuries next year too, and that you're going to need versatile pieces. You're going to need depth, and certainly uh, he can bring that. And you know, watching you know, doing a double take yesterday. I mean, wait, was that John Lester walking through a hallway in the clubhouse, and you know, seeing him uh, out there on the on the video board, and then seeing Justin Steele put together another magnificent magnificent start, and you know, him kind of introducing himself to John Lester and uh, saying thanks for passing along a tip to David Ross earlier in the season. I think that's interesting that if they get the pitching right, if they make a couple big moves that work out this offseason, it's not like out of the question this division to see a competitive team next year. But that has to be the expectation. You've talked about this, Ahad, of like on paper in Mesa next year, this has to be a vastly improved product. And that's not like a huge ask for this front office. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right. What they needed for that to uh, for us to feel comfortable saying that that was possible were, were they needed some individual players to kind of go in the right direction. Right. Well, you talked about Nico uh, Madrigal is starting to go in that direction. I think say it hasn't been like this amazing season, like it looked like it may have been out of the gate, but he's played only I think he's played under 90 games. Is that right? I think he's at like 81, 82 games. He's he's had moments where it's, there was that stretch. It felt like watching on TV, uh, over both in uh, when the DC stretch, that he he didn't look right at the plate to me. The DC Baltimore stretch, he he looked off. Uh, his timing seemed off. And then, but this past weekend, he he had some good at bats. He 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 hit a dinger right the other day. Uh, had at least one other extra base hit, took a walk, had some singles in there, just looked better and more comfortable. Get one yesterday, basket. Okay. And the, and the wind was blowing in, right? So, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a decent home run right there. It's not a cheapy uh, completely. So, you, you'll, take, you'll take what he's done. I think he's, he's got a way to run straight plus above 100 now, which it had dipped below that because the stretch had gotten bad. He'd, he'd struggled a little bit. My point is, there's they you needed some of these positives. You needed to say like, okay, well, Ian Happ looks great, right? Lee, Ian Happ looks like a completely different player. Christopher Morell Morell came out of nowhere, and I think you touched on what I think is the biggest one, and it's Justin Steele, and it's a, a guy that after what four starts, uh, fans were asking for it, and I know some of us were talking about it, but Keegan Thompson had to replace him in the rotation, right? There was there was talk that it. You can't let this happen anymore type stuff, right? And 
if there's any benefit, uh, you know, you, you want a winning team out there on the field. You want to be competitive. Uh, fans deserve that. It's what everybody wants out there. It's not, it's not fun to cover or watch a, a team that's struggling. It, it's not what anybody wants, but uh, if there was any benefit to it, it's that they didn't go away from steel, right? They just let him ride through the struggles. He pushed through those struggles and <laughs> Patrick, you know, war isn't the be all end all, right? It's not the perfect statistic, but he's according to fan graphs, he's as valuable as Nestor Cortez, Julio Urias, Luis Castillo, Miles Michaelis, Zach Gallen. These aren't pitchers that uh, Alex Manoa, uh, like these aren't pitchers that that anyone suggests can't start a playoff game, can't be a part of a winning rotation, right? And that's the big thing. That's what we need to figure out what these guys are, right? It's not, is he an ace? Is he, uh, you know, a superstar? Is he an all-star? That's all great. But you need to find, you need to fill your rotation with guys that are playoff quality guys. You don't want to say like, oh, he's a five on a losing team. No, no, he needs to be a three on a good team or a four on a great team, right? Uh, and even if maybe steals more, I mean, the way he's pitching, the way he's learning uh, every single time out, uh, I I really liked this last outing because it was, and I don't know if this was by design on his part, but it was strike guys out early. My pitch count is rising okay, back to contact and get some quick outs. And it worked, right? It doesn't always work that way. You can't do that. You can't, like, that's what happened. So I'm not sure if he perfectly planned that. But he's also got the type of stuff that can do that. He's He's got multiple pitches, and he's learning to develop other pitches. Uh, they're coming along. He's getting more confidence in his changeup. I, I just think this is a guy that, you know, as big as Nico is, as big as that breakout is, I think Steele's kind of almost gone under, under the radar for us about how good he's actually become and how important he could be for the future. Well said, and, and no doubt uh, Steele has emerged as, you know, the guy that Jed and Ross talked about kind of hypothetically heading into spring training or <laughs> – once the lockout was over and they could ma be magically quoted again. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like when they say, oh, well, look what we did uh, with, you know, Arietta and, you know, Strobe. Sometimes you just have to run these guys out there. And we didn't really have that chance, uh, you know, during that peak competitive window. And yeah, there's certainly something to be said for that. And there's also, well, if you do that, you better be right. And I think there's a lot to like about Steele just in terms of uh, his – attitude his uh willingness and ability to adapt um obviously the the left-handed stuff uh he was talking yesterday about <clears throat> just kind of trial and error all of his years in the minors of how to kind of prepare for a season and he purposely uh showed up to mesa with some extra weight you know knowing uh he he'd lose it and and i do think um he's figured something out and there's um, you know, in we've both talked to him a lot over the years that there's kind of a, a humbleness to him. There's an intensity to him, um, a studi studiousness uh, about him. And that, yeah, the point of the season where you think he'd be kind of like hitting a wall and, 
you know, not to knock Keegan Thompson, but, you know, obviously he is on the injured list now. And he had a really difficult, like, job at the beginning of the year of being on call as this, like, emergency multi-inning pitcher. But that steal is seemingly reaching another level and getting better as we get deeper into the season. And that is uh, usually a telling sign of, you know, kind of a guy who has what it takes. And that's what Wilson Contreras had said in, in DC of, you know, he's, he's got it. You know, he has that it factor to be, you know, a, an elite pitcher and it's kind of, you know, right in front of him now to go out there and get it. Yeah. I, I mean, I just like that. He's learned how to pitch along with have has really good swing and miss stuff. He's got this plus plus pitch in his slider and he's learned how to use his fastball in ways that, he just didn't know how to even entering the season. And and it's not just like uh, advice from John Lester that helped, right? That's great. That's awesome that that he, he has this veteran that was willing to give him a, a pointer that really helped him. But talking to Steele about the way he uses his fastball – he understands these things on like a very complex level. And it and it's not like he doesn't think about it in too complex a way, but he he knows that there's like deeper stuff going on. He he's like I like to keep it simple. This is what I'm trying to do. I know it does things that are pretty complex and uh you know Tommy and Daniel Moskis like help help guide him in certain ways, but he he's just like, well, I know if I do this and if I think this with that, it'll do what it needs to do. And it, and it works a lot. So I, I think that's, that's a big part of it. That mental aspect that knowing how to pitch. And like, like you said, he, he kind of, uh, built himself up for, uh, making sure he didn't break down late in the season, which I think we need to give, uh, Keegan a break there. I agree with you. He, he was set up for a different role. He came into this season in a very different role. And I think having to switch in the middle of the season being used one way for a month and a half or however long it was and switching over to this role now he's it's more innings than he's pitched since i think 2019 uh when he pitched like 120 over two levels uh i mean that's that's i mean and that's a different intensity it's a different type of workload it's just completely different uh we'll see what his future is he clearly is a major league pitcher and he has a role on a on a good team but we'll, we'll see what he can be uh i just think Steele's development is really gives them uh you know we have another month and plus here to see what else he does but he's he's i think he's shown enough even if he does wear down towards the end uh he's shown enough that it's like wow you, you got to feel good about the rotation or a couple pieces of the rotation uh as far as stroman and steel go right uh, i think i like adrian Sampson a lot just because he seems to one one of those guys where it's mentally clicked and he's he understands his game really well i'm not saying give him a rotation spot but you like he's a, he's another one of those guys that when i talk about the vibe in the clubhouse i think he adds to that because he's really laid back he's a really good dude he's a, he's a, he's very um He's one of those guys that's like walks by and says hi to everyone, right? Like, and he's and I think that like that positivity can certainly help. But he's just he's he's not going to blow you away. He's just you know this is what he's got. And there are, there are pitchers like that on on winning teams, and they're not the ace of the staff, but uh, but they're very good uh, play pitchers that you want. And if he's depth for them next year, that's great. Like he 
you know, I'm sure he'd prefer to be in the starting rotation and maybe that's how it ends up. But I essentially I look at him as insurance for Kyle Hendricks. If Hendricks just isn't going to be back to what he once was, which would suck obviously for the Cubs, but it, I mean, they have to prepare for those scenarios. Uh, he's the type of pitcher that I think, uh, you know, you'd love to have as your sixth, seventh, eighth starter veteran that has learned how to use his stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if you have anything else to add there, Patrick, but we can wrap up soon here. I was just going to actually refer to the lead to one of your stories the other day of how Theo Epstein was obsessed with depth and what could go wrong. And that was uh, a great point, really a signature of his time with the Cubs. And as we think about these final weeks of the season, it's not like, oh, okay, Nico's a shortstop, we're done there, or oh, okay, Samson, you know, is a, you know, good swingman. No, it's that this gives you options that you have to lo- stack, you know, more and more good players onto here, and Nico gets that as well as anyone. You know, Samson understands that he's out there pitching for his job every single time and that if the Cubs make moves that push Justin Steele closer towards the back of the rotation great like the Cubs will be in a much better spot with more and more talent and more and more layers of depth for when things inevitably go wrong uh next season hopefully they have a little more runway than they did this year which it seemed like it was kind of two or three weeks and then like the bottom (laughs) fell out but (laughs) that's why you get um as much talent as you can and I think you see some prospects creeping towards the upper levels of the minors and you see these major league depth pieces kind of carving out roles and uh, certainly David Ross alluded to this yesterday of this trade deadline weighed on the team for like maybe like a month and that once that kind of passes and you kind of know what you have it helps refocus things and the Cubs are going to have a really good window here to see what they've got or not right and you know if they have injuries if they if they go into the next season and they look like a much better team on paper and they have injuries like they did early on this season it's not it, if you have adrian sampson coming up at least you know what you're getting from him you've learned what type of pitcher he is right instead of just hoping that javier Assad or hayden wisneski or caleb killian has figured it out right you have this veteran that you can go to if you're still competing, right? If you're in a point where it's you believe that those guys are ready, or if one of them gets a shot over this week, because I know we have some uh, we have some spots where the Cubs may need some starting pitching over this next week, and one of those guys probably gets a shot. Uh, it's I mean, just having that type of depth make that's what winning teams do, right? Whether it's P.J. Higgins or Zach McKinstry or Christopher Morrell, uh, Franmil Reyes now being part of this team, they, they've created options and they've created depth, and and they they may not have that superstar obvious guy that everyone's like that's the guy. They need to go out and get players, right? This is neither of us are saying <laughs> that the work is done or that they're perfectly set up or anything like that. It's it's just that. Three months ago, it was hard to make an argument that they they were in a good place or that they could be set themselves up to be in a good place. You had to we had to strain. We you could squint and see it, uh, and and if if this if that happens, depending on the trade deadline X Y Z, right? And and a lot of those things have happened, and and it has gone gotten a little bit better to the point where twenty twenty three 
competing should be the goal. And it, it may not be the goal. It may not be the team where you're like, yep, that's the World Series contender. It's the Cubs and the Dodgers and the and Atlanta at the top and the NL. That that probably isn't going to happen next spring. But if but if they can put a team together that makes it much more interesting, and by the end of next season, you're saying that's a team that's that's headed for the top of the league because things are going right. I think that's where they want to be, and that that's where it should be. It, it just should be. Uh, I think we're good there, Patrick. It, it's a more optimistic Cubs podcast. Uh, I guess uh, you know some decent play will do that for you. Uh, hopefully Brett will uh, rejoin us on Thursday. We'll be back with another podcast. Uh, I'm Sahadev Sharma. That's Patrick Mooney. Make sure you read our work at The Athletic. Appreciate you all listening. Take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.